Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good Saturday. Good morning. Chilly one a little bit today. Bit of overcast rain upon us. Lots of things to talk about. Home improvement. One hour up to the St. Louis Cardinals pregame show. So stay tuned. Bring it on. Let's get going. Ten phone lines. Anything about your house. All things related to home health safety. Did I say health? Absolutely. My gosh, we never realized how much our homes supported and uh, uh, or not how our health is advanced or not. Likewise, all the things with forced air heating and cooling, open windows, open doors, ventilating, um, filters, and then um, ultraviolet light uh, virus killers in our furnace and such, all that and more here on University of CAMWEX. Phone lines always and for you right now, 10 of them, 314-436-7900, 314 314- Four four three six seven nine hundred and toll free anywhere on the globe eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. If you're uh, stepping out to run errands, any of the things that happen in life, take me along with you with Odyssey. A-U-D-A-C-Y, an app that you can put along right there on your phone. Uh, app meaning application, so you just download it from the Apple Store or odyssey.com. Uh, and just take it along with you. Uh, you can have me anywhere you'd like. And all of the KMOX stars here on KMOX. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. And frankly, talking about things that matter the sunshine, especially on a day like today. Dry basements, especially on a day like today. A sunroom is a wonderful addition to any home, and it allows days like today for you to feel like you're outdoors, where you're still dry, warm, comfortable. And then when the glorious sunshine comes back, away we go and out pops all the blooms, the flowers and such. And there we go. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. Things that we're talking about throughout the day. Also, egress windows, how you're finishing basements or habitable space down below level uh, is very important. Firefighters find that very important because if they've got to haul you out in a fire, they want to be able to get out of there too. So that's an important part. Also, how to identify a load-bearing wall. I'll talk about that throughout today. So we've got lots to talk about. And likewise, if you're uh, really looking for accessible living in your home, there's a seminar coming up later in uh, this month, May 26th, 1130 to 1230. It's a webinar. We're still doing the social distancing at Mosby Building Arts, my day job, if you will. So that is uh, available. You can check out uh, mosbybuildingarts.com, one big long word, mosbybuildingarts.com. Or for those of you challenged like myself, call Mosby, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y. Yeah, shorten it down just so I could remember. 314-436-7900 puts us together. Lots of things to talk about on a day like today, overcast. Sunshine is just a little bit on the short side, uh, lighting is important. Lighting controls. We can talk a little bit about some of the simple home automation things just to turn lights automatically on and off. Uh, little things, uh, you know, that can greet you in the morning, turn on the coffee pot, or if you really want, you can have everything run by automation. But like everything else, 
the more complex it gets, the more complex it gets. So, so much to talk about. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Uh, I own and operate Mosby Building Arts. Uh, We've been around since 1947, founded by my father, Sam Mosby. Uh, And now we're into our uh, third generation of Mosby's. Uh, Frankly, no Mosby is in the Mosby except for me and my wife, Judy. So that's kind of interesting. But I call the family. It's still a family business because the culture, the spirit, and everything that makes us a family at work uh, really matters, and uh, anyway, I, I I enjoy it. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Let me see if we can get souped up here, and uh, get to the phones right away, and get right to. Uh, how about Nick? Hey, Nick, uh, welcome. Good morning, Camwex. How can I help, sir? Uh, good morning. I've got uh, recessed ceiling lights in my kitchen mm-hmm. that have been there for oh, when it was remodeled, maybe twenty years ago, mm-hmm. and I'd like to go from standard incandescent bulbs in them, and it uses sort of a a medium-sized floodlight type thing, about three inches in diameter maybe, three and a half. Inside the the canister or whatnot, there's this, uh, it's a zinc-coated, looks like steel, zinc-coated steel uh, sort of framing that you put the bulb up through to screw it in. Mm -hmm. And when I buy LED bulbs, the shape of the shank won't allow them to go through that. I haven't found a brand that will fit through that, what I think is just a heat deflector or absorber, mm-hmm. um, which seems to be easily removed. It just sort of snaps into place inside the canister. Yeah. If I went to a cool uh, LED bulb, could I just take that thing out and get rid of it? Is, is it the, just an L-shaped piece of metal, Nick? Just something that kind of bends over? It looks like it'll be easy, easily removed? Yes. it's. It, I wouldn't exactly drive it. It's more in a U. It, it okay. attaches to the lowest part of the canister, you know, about mm-hmm. even with the ceiling. goes up inside the... the uh, um, goes up inside the canister with a hole in the center of it. Um that the bulb goes up through, and then you screw the bulb into the socket. Hmm. Uh, I think you're describing part of the fire separation. There is a canister. You, what's important is to have uh, steel between the attic or up in the cavity of the ceiling and the house. Um, there are shorter bulbs available, and there are retrofit LED finishes that you can buy at the hardware store and big box stores that actually uh, fit into that because the LEDs are actually only about an inch and a half tall. So um, just changing the light bulb or the lamp, as we call it, is, is there? that's not the only choice. You can literally retrofit an LED that has the trim ring and it seals up to the ceiling of your kitchen uh, and then you basically just screw this thing in like you do an A-base or standard light bulb size. And you clip this thing in and, and up you go. So I, I've been the path that you have with the LED bulbs. They didn't quite get me where I wanted to go. And then I wound up with uh, some of these retrofits. So uh, consider retrofits that uh, don't that are more than just the bulb. All right. Thanks for your help. Yeah, okay. you're welcome. Hopefully I helped you there, Nick. But just be aware that pulling that metal thing out without seeing what it is, 
I think we're getting into the territory of fire separation, which still remains a big deal, especially in a kitchen. You can have a grease fire and up it goes and, you know, there's a hole in the ceiling for this recessed light. And, you know, now we're off to the races with more than just a grease fire. And that's really what drives the fire building code is they can't really stop fires but boy they can slow them down long enough for their response time to click in and for them to be able to minimize property loss and and certainly uh, our our health um so anyway let nick good luck my friend Bye. all right home improvements scott mosby camwex a good topic to get started on um there are so many things to talk about i'll get into this a little bit more with lighting but keep in mind, when you do LED lights, light-emitting diodes, so in, instead of having an incandescent wire or filament that heats up, and as it heats up, one of the byproducts it gives off is heat and illumination, so the glow of that filament creates light. Well, with an LED bulb or LED diode, you can actually change the color of the light. And that is uh, communicated in the heat of the light. It, it's kind of a range, so it's Kelvin. Kelvin is a you know like it, it's uh, a very high temp measurement, usually used in chemistry and such like that in the bio world. But for us in the building trades, three thousand degrees Kelvin is a yellow light kind of like incandescent when you get up to 5,000 and they go from 3,000 to 3,500 to 4,045 and some of these LED light bulb kits that I'm describing that retrofit into the ceiling for Nick in his kitchen basically you can change with a little slide switch on this thing what color you want the light to be and and if you're changing these out yourself when you look up at the ceiling and you say oh well there oh that one's a different color what well you bumped that color switch or temperature switch so think of it as a language the degree kelvin is a language descriptor that just tells you what color the light is and when you're seeing a very bright white intense light uh, sometimes it's it's very pure light but it also comes with it a little bit of stress it's not a natural light where you get around 5,000 or so uh, they they're pretty bright but 3,000 really looks yellow sometimes around 3,500 4,000 is a pretty comfortable place um, so for a sunroom you might want five six thousand Kelvin really blow it out you know just like the sunlight but that's kind of nice you know in the morning with your first cup of coffee about 5 a.m. it might be a bit much so most of them come on dimmers this is the Helitech Home Improvement Show Scott Mosby at your service I shall return in a moment after this all the news and all that matters to you the voice of St. Louis KMOX Okie doke, home improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, Cardinal Baseball, hopefully coming up later here, about 12.20. Pre-game cards game is uh, just a few minutes after uh, noon here, after the news, weather, and sports on KMOX. Phone lines open for you, 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. Uh, back a little bit to Nick's question, uh, as far as not being able to fit the light bulb up inside the recess 
can. Be aware that recessed can rough-in boxes uh, for putting in um, recessed light fixtures. It's kind of a, you know, they, we call them cans because it looks like a big one-gallon um, you know, uh, metal can for canning vegetables, and it slides up inside the ceiling or the cavities, sometimes in the attic, and it uh, provides a fire separation and keeps the heat enclosed around that bulb. Well, not all cans are created equal. Some are about five, five and a half inches tall. Some are seven, eight inches tall, and some go way up 12 inches. Uh, But you have to get those coordinated, and that's what the electricians do when they get into the uh, lighting design. So just be aware, there are different bulbs. You can also buy LED light bulbs with different depths or tallness, if you will. So the neck on the LED bulb is shorter on certain, but now you're getting into what we call spec bulbs or specification driven, where it's just not something you go down to the big box store and you buy one or two of these things. You basically go to a lighting supply and you start having a conversation with lamps because in the world of performance lighting, there are gazillion light bulbs. So, and it may be the same light with the same beam spread and color, but they may come in different heights. Then you start putting uh, uh, various things around to direct the light um, uh, coming through that bulb. Now, you, you and I, uh, have, you know, that's just too much to handle. So now we just want to retrofit. You can buy these things. They're they're not expensive. They're twenty, thirty dollars a piece. Sometimes you get the expensive ones are forty, and you basically just pull out the light bulb, pull off the old trim ring, leave everything back up in the ceiling, and then you screw in this light base, if you will, just like the bottom of a light bulb. You screw it into that socket, and then you just mount this thing back up like the trim ring would on the recess can Uh, and you have to know what you're doing because buying these is one skill sizing them is another and then installing them is another oftentimes just easier to call the electrician and say you know what I'm ready to change the LED light bulbs Uh, and you're going to pay the labor for that but still there's some value to knowing which lights how to put them in and which ones to buy uh, uh, 314-436-7900 800-925-1120 my name is scott mosby this is the gila tech home improvement show let's talk with my uh next closest friend danny hey danny good morgan welcome to cam wicks my friend how can i help yeah i just i wanted to pick your brain for a second i uh stumbled across some old cast iron radiators that come out of a victorian style house and came with a boiler as well, a natural gas boiler. And they'd been used up until, the, or they were working fine up until the point when I got them. And I didn't know, is there somebody in the Metro East area that you know that specializes in doing installs on them? Oh, there are several companies around. Uh, I don't know about the Metro East, but the Metro East has plenty of good contractors, so there's no shortage on that. Um, but you're looking for a, um, you know, somebody that does radiant heat. There's steam yes. heat, there's hot water heat, there's all that sort of stuff. Uh, suffice it to say, Danny, what you have is a bit of a commodity because it's really hard to get those. Oftentimes, uh, people that specialize in that 
have a whole yard full of these old radiators. They pull them out. They get the right size. They sandblast them, paint them up, and these puppies look brand new. And some are quite ornate in the ironwork of the casting of that radiator. Um, I tell you what, uh, call Mosby Building Arts. We keep a um, a list of referral contractors that we use for radiant heat and forced air heat and all of that. So I would direct you to our uh, okay. our, our partner list. That's uh, 314-909-1800. That's great. Yeah, uh, uh, like you'd said, uh, these are beautiful. Um, oh, man. They've been they're kept up well, and they've got like lion's heads oh. uh, engraved on the end of them. And I mean, they, they probably weigh seven, eight hundred pounds a piece. I mean, they're going to be a real chore to get them up where I need them, but they are yeah. just so cool. And another question, a pet peeve I got on oh. deck screws. Yeah, you got T twenty, T twenty two, T twenty five. No matter what screw I grab, the bit driver I got inside the uh, the impact drill Box. is the wrong. Why, why do they do that? Uh, I couldn't tell you. It. It. Uh, I will say that there are be- when you get to deck screws and you're driving a three inch something into framing hard gnarly lumber. You know, sometimes those special bits are the only thing that'll hold in, like your square bit. You know, compared basically a Phillips bit is just not the best for driving long screws with power and that's why they put them in there but I, i'm right there with you i've been doing this now for most of my life and i still have the wrong one at the wrong place at the right time yeah i, I got like three <laughs> different brands that are all yeah. say two inch screws and when i grab a handful i go and it's just like and uh, it, it just kind of what i kind of equate it to is why do we have an 11 16th in wrench and a three quarter inch in wrench? I mean, well, we're you not want the building. real answer. You want the real yeah. answer? They, they yeah. want to sell your wrenches. There you go. Only from <laughs> them, only from their brand. This is what's called sticky marketing. Once you fall in love with something, make it really hard for them to change their mind. That's what it's called. Yeah. We're not looking for precise dimensions <laughs> on a fighter jet, getting O-rings inside a fuel tank. We're driving screws into some wood you know it oh it just makes me shake my head but now wait a minute hey, Danny. Wait. you get a room full of engineers in one room oh. they're going to design screws for fighter jets for you on my uh deck and that's just the way it goes brother oh. well i tell you what i'll uh i'll call monday and get a list of uh contractors and uh hopefully we can get these things installed this summer yeah yeah, we don't have a long list. We just keep the best list because we use people like this all the time, um, and they come and they go, you know. So uh, companies get sold and bought, and old, you know, founders disappear and all. So, I mean, not everybody stays strong throughout the whole thing. So that's why we keep up this list for ourselves. And then we thought, you know what, you know, we're on KMWX, might as well share this. Yeah, and I guess one more thought. Um, do they use, like, a... Uh, high-level PEX tubing to, you know, run water lines to them, or are they still going back with the black pipe to run the hot water through that? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. In my world, it's still all the old black iron pipe, you know, uh, and I I couldn't tell you. They might be using the PEX and all because a lot of this stuff has moved, and, you know, it moved while I wasn't looking. Well, you know, that's not saying much anymore. Okay, thank you so much for the information today, Scott. Okay, Danny, God bless you for saving those radiators, by the way. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, came, and and I don't know if you know... uh, 
Bob, 30 years ago, we would pull out these radiators, we'd pull out these boilers and steam generators, and we'd throw those babies away. And finally, you know, we had one, and, and you know, one of the good radiant heat companies said, don't ever do that. Anytime you get a radiator, save that. Somebody in town saves that. Uh, I forget who it is, and, and uh, but because radiators are, they're very gentle, even, consistent heat. The problem is you can't really get the radiator in every part of the room that loses heat by a window or a door. Uh, so the issue is rather than removing the radiators and the boilers, we generally leave them alone, just get them serviced up to current standards, and then we add forced air heat and forced air air conditioning. So we're adding something to the system rather than shutting it down. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Um, let's uh, take a short break now, and we'll be back for more on the University of KMOX Helitech Home Improvement Show. Get ready for the Cards and Rockies this afternoon. Ameren pregame show 1220. First pitch 115. Hear it here on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. Okie doke, back together. Home improvements. Scott Mosby, the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Lots of things happening. Cardinal baseball coming up here. Oh, I guess in about an hour. So stay tuned. Much thing, much going on until then. Let's go to our phone lines. Talk to my friend uh, Larry. Hey, Larry, Scott Mosby. Good morning. Welcome to Camwex. How can I help? Hello? Yes, you're on. This is Scott here. Uh, you're yeah, on the uh, air. I can hear you. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm having trouble with uh, high humidity in my house. Okay. Uh, I put a I put a dehumidifier in. I I got new windows I just put in two years ago. Uh, and even when my air conditioning runs, I have high humidity. Okay. How long does your air conditioning run? Long time? Uh, I don't. It's it does it stays pretty cool in my house. I have a high efficiency unit. Uh, with, without, a, go ahead. Well, I'm listening. Well, without hearing much more, it sounds like your air conditioner is too big. Um, there is a very now. Follow me through this, and I'm guessing on all of this stuff. So now you've got high humidity. You used to have uh, weak, leaky windows, so a bunch of air and uh, would come in the house, so it would leak. So that meant you lost or gained heat fast. Change the windows, but uh, and the furnace was and the air conditioner was sized for your house leaking. So now it doesn't leak quite as much. It holds its cooling and holds its heating. What's important, and we find this with remodeling and improving homes, um, that a, a air conditioner that is too big will cool down the house rapidly, which sounds like a good thing, but if it doesn't run long enough, it does not remove the humidity from the air because it is a big dehumidifier. And in this part of the country, with high humidity, uh, comfort comes as much by drying the air as it does by cooling the air. So I suspect you've got an air conditioning unit that is oversized for the now um, more efficient um, building envelope you have. You follow what I'm saying? Putting a dehumidifier in is not going to change anything, you don't think? 
Yeah, it will, but I mean, a, a, a portable dehumidifier is a toy compared to a three-ton or three-and-a-half-ton air conditioner, which is a behemoth over-the-road 18-wheel truck dehumidifier. And when that thing runs uh, and you've got, you know, an A-coil, you know, that's the size of the top half of your refrigerator inside that air handler furnace air conditioner unit, that thing just, you know, remember, uh, you know, the condensate, the drain line that comes out of the bottom of your furnace, your air conditioner that drains that water yeah. out? There should be a bunch of that. And, and frankly, uh, the right-sized air conditioner uh, seems, it should take a little bit of time to cool off a house. If your house is at 95 degrees and you turn on the AC, it should take about, you know, 30 to 45 minutes to cool that house down if it's right size, because units that are too big uh, just cool down the air, but they never dry it out, and you just still have that St. Louis wet, sticky, close feeling. Yeah, so you're going to need more dehumidifiers or a, or a smaller AC. I would call a heating and cooling company and, and, and open the book well, on this. Yeah, the, uh, the AC unit's uh, fairly new. It's like Two years old. It's a rude. I, I guess I can say that. Uh, sure. It's a sure. high efficiency unit. And well, uh, maybe too point. big. It just. I mean, high efficiency doesn't mean it's a good thing. If the. I mean, for example, if you have you know ten thousand dollar custom made shoes, but they're the wrong size for your feet, they're no good to you. Right. You see what I mean? You think, it, it, yeah, it's got to be the right size for that house. You think I should put another dehumidifier in there? I have one in there now. Yeah, I would. And I would uh, turn the furnace blower on, on on this, Larry. You know, so, you know, the fan that just says on or auto, just turn it on your thermostat to on and let that thing yeah, run. Yeah, it runs all you, the time. Perfect, perfect. So you're going to need uh, dehumidifiers that continuously drain, which usually means something in the bathroom or in a bathtub or a shower or something like that. So the idea is to get that air to move past these dehumidifiers, pull the moisture out of the air. But, you know, you're you're trying to make your AC that is too big, uh, you're trying to overcome a a missized unit, in my opinion. Yeah, it's I, very common. I used to have a, I used to have a two and a half ton unit. Now I have a three ton. Yeah, I suspect. Well, then you changed your windows. So where you had a two and a half ton unit and it wasn't quite doing the job, when you change your windows and or doors, and then you add insulation or something, anything that we normally do as homeowners, you know, it tightens up the house, and all of a sudden you don't, you know, two and a half wasn't enough. Now two and a half is enough, and you've got to run the heat loss calculations on those to find out. You yeah, because that's way. I mean, my house is cool. I mean, it's comfortable. How big is your house in square feet? 1,700. Man, Um, yeah, you're right at the point, you know, three three tons to two and a half. You're right at that point, but something's not right. I I would call back your heating and cooling company again, have this same conversation and say, you know, know, what can we do here? Um, But running your blower... Uh, is a good thing and dehumidifiers you may also have um, don't miss the obvious things like you may have a wet wall where you've got a leak near a window and you can't tell yet Um, there's also the humidities and and by golly it's just been wet man I mean we're just in a wet St. Louis time now and have been for you know several months it's you know a few years ago we were in deep 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 drought and we just couldn't get you know rain to fall out of the sky now we can't get rid of the stuff 
What, is, um, what level is humidity bad for you? What level? Above 50%. When you get above so 55%, can... you start growing the bugs, um, bacteria, uh, mold, all that stuff. So 57% is the point where all not good things get real happy. So ideally, the best humidity level for a house is about 30 to 35%, in my opinion, unless you've gone to the care of a doctor, and then you do whatever they say. Yeah, because I, I, I have the dehumidifier in the room closest to the furnace, and, you know, you got to have a drain for it. Yeah, it needs to be just out in the middle. I mean, the, the best place for dehumidifying for drying that air is right out in the middle of the big room. Now, that's a little inconvenient uh, the, for draining. You, you follow? You mean, the? should I put another one in the basement then? Uh, I'd keep it up on the main floor. I wouldn't worry too much about the basement at this point if you're still hot and sticky. Uh, and I would keep uh, humidity meters. You know, I use little indoor-outdoor thermostats or thermometers, and I put them around the house just to test and see how well the heating and cooling temperatures balance. And it'll also measure, you know, it's a hygrometer as well, which tells you how wet or relative humidity Yeah, is. I've done that. I've checked. I got an April air thermostat. It's really nice. Nice, and, nice. Uh, Are you turning off your, do you have an April air humidifier? Yeah, it's off. Oh, good. That, that was the obvious thing. But anyway, yeah, Larry, I would, you, uh, look at your air conditioner sizing. It may not be right. So I could change it to a two and a half ton and maybe get better. Well, yeah, it's tough to do at this point, but uh, I'd, I'd sure have that conversation. Expensive. Yeah, they are expensive. But, you know, I mean, sometimes you get heat and cooling contractors that don't do with the heat loss calculations, and they just, you know, they have a three-ton in stock, and a two-and-a-half ton is three weeks lead time. They just put in the three-ton, and, you know, it's easy to sell. Well, it'll just get cooler quicker. It's like, yep, but the other side of it is it never gets dry because it doesn't run very far. So just be right on. All right. Good luck, Larry. Okay, doke. Home improvement. Thanks, Larry. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Let's go next up to, uh, how about Mr. Mike? Hey, Mike, uh, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Good morning, Scott. Hey, question. I'm getting ready to replace uh, one of those single-piece tub and and shower surrounds. uh, Yep. Yep. uh, Question I have when I do the new one, how do I run the drywall up to the nailing flange? The one I have currently... Frustrates me because you know you get to that end of the wall there, and the they ran the drywall up over the flange. So I got that little bow, and it's real obvious with the base. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that. Uh, the best way to do that is fur out the wall so that your flange, um, it because it, it, and this is how I can tell the quality of an install when I get inside of any building and that flare comes out because they just laid the drywall or the duroc or whatever it was. You can either route out the back of the drywall or duroc. Uh, and thin it out, but that stuff has to drop down to within about a quarter of an inch of the bottom of the of the deck of the tub or shower base. Uh, but don't let it touch the bottom of the shower base. It'll wick the water up. Uh, but either way, you either have to fur out the wall, make them all flat, and that generally means all the way down the wall of that bathroom, whichever one it is. Uh, but abs- everything you invest in making this right makes a really good-looking job. And if you don't, it looks like you know, somebody just you know, poured a low-grade shower tub in there and the bad installation just I mean, because that irritates me every time I walk in that bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a really good thing. 
the ahead, flange sorry. is important. The flange is important, but it just means that for a good job, the good boys have to do a good, a really good job. Let, they, they, let me ask you this: uh, the, the, my concern is, and I thought about shimming out, just getting some quarter-inch furring strips, yeah, and just moving that whole. What happens when I get to the door, though? Do I have to get an extension jam then, or why, yep. what do I do there when I get to the door with the trim? Well, this is where I learned from my father. You basically pull off the trim. You put a little spacer in there. It might be a little bit of screen bead. It might be a half by three-quarter parting stop, but you need to rip or put a spacer so that that door jam gets thicker. Generally, the old door stays right where it is. You just fur right. it out a little bit, that same quarter inch with a finish trim, and then that's that's the right way to do it. Okay, so you're saying between the trim and the uh, jam on the door is... Rip yes. a quarter-inch strip in between there and fill that gap and paint it over and no bad notice. <laughs> yes, that's how the pros do it, yep. Okay, that's what I need to know. Thank you. All right. Hey, kudos to you for dealing with this, Mike. All right. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We'll be back for more after this. This is the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Cards and the Rockies. Colorado comes to town to try and get the game in uh, anyway. So 12-20 Cards versus the Rockies. Uh, we'll see how life goes on with that. So stay tuned on KMOX right after the uh, Helitech Home Improvement Show. News, weather, and sports. Go to the phone lines. Talk with my buddy, Ann. Ann, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Hi there, Scott. Go Cards today. Amen. Um, I have a question. We had a patio uh, poured It was at the end of October um, in 2020, and so the weather got colder pretty quick after, you know, it was poured. It was a nice day when they poured it, but right at the steps, which uh, come out from the sliding glass door from our home onto the patio, they, they poured two steps right at the bottom of the steps on one side is a dip where water collects. It's also... It's also has an overhang, a little bit of an overhang from the roof there too. So the water stays in this dip. I think they call it a bird bath. Yeah, right. And I noticed going out this spring and sweeping off my uh, patio, et cetera, um, that the broom finish on on the concrete, also in that dip area, is kind of like chipping. I don't know how to put it, but it just looks like a little chip out of the out of the. What can be done for that uh, to smooth that out and to prevent that maybe from continuing to, I don't know, will it deteriorate more because of the waters keep settling there? I've tried to broom, brush it out, you know, with a broom when I can, when it rains, so that it doesn't sit there for a while. Well, Ann, I would call the concrete company uh, pretty quick because it's they can fix it. The issue is the color of the concrete when they do fix it. That's right. So you need to get it pretty quick on there and uh, see if they can get that in so that all that concrete ages. I can tell you three reasons and all the why that happened because of the forms and finishing and process and all of that. But it does happen. It's not uncommon. Uh, but uh, in terms of getting whatever done, uh, but I call the concrete contractor. Uh, they generally will come out and take care of that. It, it sometimes takes a little bit of time because it's a small job they'll wait for a day when they do a whole bunch of these repairs but uh, yeah so they can smooth it out with adding a little bit more on top of that yeah they may have to actually chip it out a little bit to get deeper you know so don't get freaked out if they come in and you know chip it out another quarter inch deep trying to get enough concrete thickness to stay 
I see. Okay. Thanks okay. a lot. I appreciate your time. All right, Ann. Bye now. Bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, we've got a few more seconds here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Thanks for joining. I will see you next week. Go Cardinals. Uh, taking on the Colorado Rockies today right here on KMOX. Take me with you on Odyssey, odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y.com.